Hello and welcome back to the PickSwap Podcast. I'm James Moraine. I'm here with Sean Bernard. What's up, Sean? What's going on, James? Um, not much. We have a special guest here today, Justin Crosby, a contributor for the Philly Sports Network and also a writer for 76 and Broad. Justin, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it, man. How are you? Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm fine. It's, it's Monday, but uh, I'm happy to be here, man. Yeah, we appreciate it a lot. Uh, this is a nice thing we're going to keep doing. Uh, you're really our first guest for this upcoming season. So uh, cool. to get it started here, there was a Shams article released uh, through The Athletic this morning. Um, not not too much like new stuff on Ben Simmons, but still in the news, names still floating around. Uh, what were your takeaways and what do you see for this situation going forward? So uh, my takeaways of the article, they were saying that, uh, I mean, Toronto is still in the mix, which is really weird to me. Um, you would think that with Toronto having Siakam and Scotty Barnes, that having Simmons there seems like just a lot of skill overlap, but we never know. Um, and then as far as I know, Minnesota still trying to be involved as well. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out, um, you know, we, we hear things, new things every day about the Ben situation from Ben's camp, from somebody else's camp. So it's interesting to see. Um, I do think that at this point, it feels like he's going to be in training camp and possibly playing a few games in a Sixers uniform. Um, it just feels that way, but you never know. Um, Maury's up against the clock, and I guess we'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, like Justin said, it feels like there's new info every day. It feels like the story kind of is changing every day and that uh, new things are coming out, new opinions with it. The bottom line, I think, is that the Sixers are not going to part with them until they get at least a step closer to that star that we ultimately need and that the the target of this is. And if there is a, a lose out on this trade, that it, it ultimately bottoms out things for where the franchise is at and that kind of thing. So this is something that needs to be handled so delicately. And uh, Toronto and Minnesota, it sounds like pretty much straight through, they've been the team's most interested, but both teams kind of lack that necessary star power and enough to pull that I can't see either getting done with either of those teams unless the third team's involved. And even both of them combined, I, I can't really see something that works for everybody. And uh, it, I, again, it's as of where it is, like the Sixers, I still think have the leverage just based on like he's still under contract for four years. Uh, if he holds out, that's where things will get interesting and uglier and something that that's when we start to look at. Maybe we do have to take a cut of the value. But for the moment, I think the Sixers are going to keep holding strong and uh, him coming back in camp is seeming more and more likely every day. Yeah, I think he's back. I, I think that he plays at least a good part of this early season um, and they, they see how it goes. Uh, to, to cut off really quick, we were going to talk a little Rajon Rondo, but he just officially signed with the Lakers. I just got the Woj update. So <laughs> not, we could skip over that. But in terms of Ben, I just think I'm like really sick of the like the circus that's been going on like just for so long. It's just either do it or don't at this point. Um, I'm a huge fan of Ben. Justin, I don't know if you know that, but I, I'm a I'm still a big I'm Ben guy. Well. I am too. So, so I'm I would be happy if he's back i'm happy to see them start this season but again i think it's this star power thing uh sean you got a ton of replies on your tweet the other day talking about the rotations and and the the depth of this team and a lot of people were just like kind of still sleeping and i'm like this team is still really damn good but it seems like everyone thinks that they're one star player away um so if it's not damien lillard you know who is a b i've seen d'angelo russell in the mix today which like that doesn't do it for me. And I, I, so like, Justin, is there a guy out there that's not named Damian Lillard that you like? 
Uh, see, I it's like an emotional roller coaster with me. Like yeah. I'm a big Ben Simmons guy, uh, and I if he is traded, I want him to succeed wherever he's at. Like it's not like oh I hate him. I just yeah. think that at this point, him and MB can can't blossom together. And I mean that we can leave that for another conversation. But like at first, I was like I want Dame, like or Bradley Bill, right? And then I was like. One day I was like, just just give me CJ McCollum and and, and and Robert Covington. And then the next day I'm like, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley and Picks. And it's just like, I don't know really what we can get. I think Simmons is way better than people are giving him credit for. Like, I think GMs know that, but they're just going off that last sour taste in their mouth to try to cut the value. I think everybody knows the potential he has. If Ben Simmons started becoming a confident jump shooter, and I'm not saying taking three-pointers all the time, but literally not being afraid of free throws and having some quality mid-range, to me, that vaults him into top, like, 15, top 10 player in the league because of everything else he does. So if you do give that away, he is 25, he does have four years left, we need a big name, and – Unless another star, you know, asks out, I, I think Dame is the way to go. It's interesting, though, because then you hear reports about Portland not necessarily interested in Ben, but if they do trade Dame, they would want picks to kind of rebuild with. So it's like, are the Sixers trying to get those four first-round picks from the Spurs because they want to be able to give Portland six picks? Like, we, we just don't know, but – I'm trying to think of any other stars. I mean, Bradley Bill, that situation is weird too. So I, I just think Dame should be who we who we go for. Yeah, it's interesting. The the pendulum has definitely swung to the point where now I do think Simmons is overly hated more than he deserves and that better than he's getting credit for at this point. And a lot of that is just recency bias for seeing the playoffs was that was the worst, worst period of play we've probably seen from Ben in his entire career and just like no doubt it was on the largest stage and that's certainly relevant and something that you need to take into account. But the bottom line is he's not as bad as he he showed to be in that. Uh, that being said, I totally agree with the, the, if he is the jump, if he can add a jump shot or somewhat of a, a layer to his offensive game, it elevates him so much higher than that. But in my mind, that ship has sailed and that I just don't have the belief going forward that that's going to happen. And the fact that there just has been basically zero signs of progress in that regard in his time here and zero willingness to, to even seemingly to be adding that to, the, to that to his game is so frustrating to me. And there is just like the stubbornness of like, this is what I'm good at. So I'm going to continue doing what I'm really good at rather than working on what could elevate me. Such a level is so frustrating. Uh, but I think again, not that we're stuck with him, but we can't move him for a piece that isn't going to be a finishing product type of move. And uh, the pick certainly I'm on board with as a long-term deal, but the bottom line here is you're, you're sitting and waiting for a legitimate star to ask out or request out or somebody to come available. And frankly, there isn't anybody just firmly available right now. Like even Dame, the he, we don't know if he actually wants to leave. Beal seems pretty, pretty uh, set in Washington until a guy gets aggravated and demands out and the Sixers are ready to pounce on that, which I certainly think is a bet worth taking when you think about today's NBA and how often stars are hopping. But the fact of the matter is the Sixers kind of just have to sit back and wait to some extent here. 
Yeah, and that sucks. That's the that's the, yeah. the tough part about it is that we're we are kind of sitting and waiting. Um, and Sean, like you said, I feel like at this point, um, a lot of people are looking at what is available and what isn't available. And like Ben is a trade piece for a star. And if you don't get if you get anything less than a star or a player that is like obviously and significantly better than Ben, it's not worth it. Um, because of what Ben shows and his potential. And like, I just even look back, like I catch myself going back and finding clips of uh, his rookie season in the playoffs against the Miami Heat and, and that year and, and how exciting he was even just in that series. And he was averaging 16, 8, and 9. And like, I, it just blows my mind that that is just gone. Like the, whatever that is in him, we see in stretches and flashes and then that's it. And that whole rookie season, it was kind of like, it was really there. And then mm -hmm. even in the playoffs, it was really there. And then it's only gotten worse. And I feel like it's just been because he hasn't worked. He hasn't been forced to work through those situations rather than he's just been hidden in those situations. And, and people right. have run away from him. And Brett Brown did it and, and coddled him. And then Doc Rivers did an even worse job with it and trying to just hide him and walk in the ball of the floor and handed it off. And it's just so frustrating to hard. see them not to not push like instead of pushing him to, to work through those, those difficult situations, rather they're kind of just like hiding him in the corner and running away from those issues and then just letting him flourish defensively and in the fast break, which is what he does really well. But um, I think we're kind of all on the same page there. It just, it's really difficult to try to, for me to part with him um, in, in that way. But Justin, I do want to talk about your, um, to kind of flip completely in a, into a different mm -hmm. direction. Um, you have a Sixers sneaker ranking. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. I would I would love to hear about that. So so tell us about that, and then let's talk about that. Yeah. So, um, not only am I a big sports fan, big Sixers fan, I am a sneakerhead. So, I collect sneakers. Uh, try to get rare sneakers. I've been doing that for I don't know. It's been over twelve years, and I've been doing this. Like when I was in college, I used to skip class and camp outside of places <laughs> to get sneakers. So like that's how big of a sneakerhead I am. But I I was looking at. You know, I was thinking about something different and I've always watched what the guys wear and are intrigued by what the guys wear on the floor, especially since the rule changed a few years ago where before you had to have team colored sneakers. So now you can wear anything you want. So it's really interesting what the guys wear around the league, but especially within the Sixers. So, you know, I decided to do like a top five ranking of, of uh, sneaker, basically, uh, you know, sneaker rotation uh, for the Sixers. So at five, I had Seth Curry. Um of course, he's Under Armour brand because of Steph Curry and Curry. Uh, Steph Steph Curry has Curry brand through Under Armour. Although Under Armour is not one of the, I guess, biggest brands in uh, in NBA as far as players wearing it. I think the technology of Steph and him pushing that brand and pushing you way to the top and Steph getting all the exclusive colorways. I think that I think that it makes it makes him one of those top five guys. Um, last year, one of the really big things, the last two years, they had uh, something where they kind of attribute colorways to their childhood. So last year for the Curry 8, they had the Eminem colorway and they had the Skittles colorway, which is what both of them ate as children. And I thought that was really cool to attribute to some of their childhood, as well as the previous year, um, Steph and Seth both had uh, Sour Patch Kid colorways where they one was lime green, one was red, and that attributed to both of them liking that uh, that candy as kids, so that's cool. Um, uh, at four, um, I had Shake Milton. Um, he's really underrated with his sneaker game. Um, starting from last year, then especially into the bubble, um, he was an avid 
Kobe Bryant, um, Kobe five wear. So that's one of the most popular basketball shoes that you can wear. But the colorways that he had, some of the player exclusives to like Sixers colorways were really cool. Um, lots of white and red, um, things you just didn't see around the league. Um, after that, I had Tyrese Maxey at three. Uh, he came in as a young guy and he, he sported, you know, his entire collection. He had a bunch of Kobe sixes, five, sevens. Like he just, he had some good colorways. Um, so I like that. I had Joel Embiid at two. He is Under Armour, but he has his own signature shoe. And I just think that's major. Not a lot of guys in the league have that. Um, and although it's not with Nike or Adidas, um, it is with Under Armour. A lot of his, uh, some of his proceeds definitely go to Philadelphia uh, community charities, which is really cool. And his stuff has a, a story to it. His original colorway was um, referencing Cameroon, um, where he grew up at. Um, he had another colorway um, based on uh, video games, which is one of the things he does a lot. Um, he, he just had a, a bunch of good colorways. I actually purchased two of those to support um, Joel. Um, and when I do play basketball, I, I kind of rotate, but I like to play in those. They're pretty comfortable, especially for um, a big man to have a signature shoe. They're pretty comfortable. And then number one was Tobias Harris. Like, since he's been on the team, he's been the top sneaker guy on the team. Like, his collection is crazy. He think I think he did a – was it an Instagram video maybe two years ago when he first got here? Or maybe last summer he showed, like, a, a lot of stuff in his closet. It is bananas how many Kobe's he has um, from the from the twos to the eights and the elevens. He just wears them all, every colorway. He started to get um, those exclusive colorways. Like, you're only seeing guys like Anthony Davis rocking these type of colorways because yeah. he's a Laker and stuff like that. But now Tobias is starting to get them. And I, I noticed that uh, one thing that really stood out to me with Tobias' shoe wear was Christmas game against the Milwaukee Bucks. For the first half, he wore yeah. the Grinch Kobe 6s. And then for the second half, he changed into the Grinch Cheetah Kobe 7s, which is the back-to-back -back Christmas Day um, sneakers for Kobe um, one year after the other. And I'm like, yo, that's super cool that he was able to change. So, you know, I, I love what they wear. And Tobias Harris is the king of the court for the Sixers with the kicks. Yeah. Uh, first off, Justin, awesome idea for the article for diving into that. I thought that was super creative, super awesome, uh, super well executed too. Totally agree. Tobias is the, the king when it comes to shoes. And I think that's something noticeable throughout the year, even just like the always the different pop on his shoes and the way he changes it up. Uh, I'd also like to throw a little a sleeper pick on the list is my guy Furkan Korkmaz with yeah, his shoes here. Is uh, The thing, I couldn't find any uh, specific model or what it was for, but I always remember him with just the, the yellow colorways with like the KDs and just his big with his big feet i'm always distracted by how big his feet are but uh like i think he deserves some recollection he's always got i, I saw he wore a bunch of kobe's he's a big nike guy but freck yeah. deserves some love for his footwear as well yep. yeah Fergon's uh he's definitely he's he cracks me up just everything that he does cracks me up. but again just that's a super like a really cool idea um i'm a big sneaker guy as well but like i think it's a nice way to look at um kind of these guys allowing themselves to to express themselves on the court um, and Tobias does a great job with it. I think he's just like kind of a an icon in that way as well. He's always mm -hmm. got the nice fits coming into the game. Um, no love for Ben Simmons. I don't even – what does he wear? The uh, Zoom Rises? Yeah, he used to wear the Zoom Rises, and he started wearing like 
guess it's called like Nike BB Next. So he started wearing oh, yeah. those this year, and he he did have a really cool colorway. Um, it was uh, made after the Yeezy Two Solar sneakers. So he had that colorway. It was like all black. It had some pink, pinkish red trim, yeah. but like glow in the dark soles. That was pretty cool. Um, speaking of Furcon, he he does wear some really cool shoes. Um, he started wearing like these uh, kind of like the same thing, but these like Nike Cosmic, uh, uh, like Cosmic sneakers. They were they were pretty cool too. But Ben's really like he's he's never been the like the colorway type of guy. Like you'll see him wear those. Whatever sneaker he wears, he'll wear for probably about twenty games. Yeah. Um, until until the 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 comfort of the shoe starts changing, um, then he'll change into the same shoe, maybe another colorway. But he he doesn't really switch like some of the other guys. Yeah, and that's interesting though. That is kind of a become a rarity for NBA guys, is they do seem so like loyal to like switching up. Like for a guy to wear shoes repetitively is kind of rare, which is interesting. Interesting to me. I think PJ Tucker kind of. Yeah, made made it like that because PJ Tucker like switches shoes in between quarters. Like that's crazy. It's just, it's just like it's it's bananas. But I also think that, like you said, with just some of the changes, the uniform policies and stuff like that, it just it just makes it easier for guys to to express themselves. Um, another kind of I wanted to I wanted to kind of throw an honorable mention, Danny Green because yeah. he's a Puma guy. And oh yeah. Um. You know, that's not a big brand, but it's starting to get bigger with some of the mm-hmm. names of Puma. But he wore every one of uh, J. Cole's um, signature shoe, the Dreamer. He wore every version of that. I do think those are cool. Um, I do have a pair of those. Um, but those colorways are amazing. Um, and then one of the cool colorways he had was, I think it was, it was like a Rugrats colorway or something he wore this year. It, w- it was pretty cool. And I'm just like, Although Puma is one of the smaller brands, they think outside of the box as well with, you know, helping their athletes out and and um, providing those different kind of pop colorways. So I thought Danny, Danny did a good job, too. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a cool thing to see uh, with all these guys. And it's, it's really awesome that you are able to highlight it and uh, kind of bring that out to people that might not notice it, because I know a lot of people will watch these games and. Uh, they won't catch that. That's a, that's a nice little detail to, to check out. So, Justin, uh, we're going to wrap up this segment for you. Yep. We appreciate it so much for you coming on. Um, if you have anything to plug, go ahead and do so now. But uh, if not, we'll we'll just say see you later. But thank you so much. But go ahead. Thank you for having me, guys. Again, um, I love working with Sean at PSN. So look out for me on PSN as well as 76 and Brawl for other Sixers news, some Eagle stuff. And then um, – also, I am clothing. Um, it's actually the shirt I have on now. Um, it's one of my closest friends' brands, and it's basically just be you, be different. And um, I like that, and I like that about all of us. So, but thanks, guys. Um, I appreciate the time, and have a good one. Thank you. All right, and we're back here. Uh, just me and Sean now. Uh, again, we really appreciate Justin coming on. That was uh, a really cool little thing for us to do. Um, and check out all of his stuff. Obviously, we're going to tag him and everything. So um, we're just going to talk about uh, you know a few little things to kind of end up this episode. Um, obviously, we're going to get into Rajon Rondo. As I said earlier, Rondo did just sign with the Lakers, so there's nothing to really talk about there. He's back in L.A. Um, where the Clippers traded him just for him to go right back to the Lakers uh, at the end of that year. So 
funny. It's just a, a weird situation with, with Rondo. I really didn't think there was a chance anyway. Um, it seems like the writing was on the wall and he was going to end up back in LA regardless. Um, so let's talk about another form, not another former sixer, a former sixer that was potentially uh, a returning sixer. Um, Nerlens Noel has been in the news recently for his struggles and uh, his issues with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. So Sean, update us on that and just let us know what's going on. Yeah. So first off, I'm very team Nerlens Noel here, and yeah. very Rich Paul's a guy who holds a ton of power in the sports world and. I understand why with the relationships and everything and clutch sports is obviously such a mogul in in the industry, but uh, it frustrates me just how much like power he has. And I think it's cool yeah. that Noel's kind of fighting back a little bit here. So the story with this is uh, obviously Noel was drafted by the Sixers uh, very beginning of the process with that. Um, he, he signed with an, his agent, happy Walters, who he negotiated the beginning of his career through that. And he also negotiated the four year $70 million deal that was offered by the Mavs that, uh, Noel turned down, which is one of the famous like turned down for like lost all that money kind of moments in sports. Bag fumbler. Yeah. So the story with that, the behind the scenes that wasn't really picked up at the time is Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. So uh, it's not officially clear if it's Rich Paul himself or uh, a below agent because I'm sure he's not handling everything all hands on. But that they talked to Noel and convinced him that taking a minimum deal the next year and then hoping for a max deal the following summer w- was what would make the most sense for his career arc. And simply that just was not the case. Uh, uh, Noel had the, took the one year deal uh, that year, the minimum uh, tore ligament in his thumb played like 30 games and has been a minimum guy since then. So he is suing clutch sports and rich Paul for the negligence and loss of money with that. And uh, so, yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen. There's kind of a little bit of uncharted a waters moment, but there's also uh, the other relevant part of that is that the Sixers allegedly called, uh, Paul to try and negotiate a deal to bring him back to Philly and Rich Paul just didn't pick up the phone and they were never able to get into contact with Noel about a reunion. So when we think back to the the playoffs when we're all sitting and arguing about uh, Amir Johnson and Greg Monroe being the top two guys off the bench backing up Joel Embiid, you can blame Rich Paul for that. And uh, it would be nice to have Noel in those moments. Definitely would have made a difference on the court. And this is kind of one of those things that I hope he gets his bag back after this. Yeah, man, that sucks. That's like, uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't. Uh, I paid for someone's lunch and it was uh, twelve dollars. I lost out on today. And, uh, like, multi fifty million dollars, yeah. fifty eight million dollars, whatever it was. Like, a ton of money's on the line here, and a lot of money that Noel missed out on as a, as a, a player that has a finite career. Like, Rich Paul can be an agent for the next however many years, twenty years. Like, Nerlens Noel has a finite career. His career is going to end. Um, his basketball life is going to end like that's uh it's a lot of money to miss out on and that sucks for him and it kind of sucks for us because if he had picked up the phone and had negotiated something with philadelphia um you know things might look a little different and not to you know kind of dwell on anything like that because there's no real point to do that Mm -hmm. Uh, no guarantee he would have even ended up back here had they been negotiating or not but no that definitely is a, a brutal look for them uh tough situation for both uh, New Orleans Noel and Rich Paul. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how it goes. And this is definitely something um, that is probably going to be an ongoing process for a while. And it, and it could become a, a precedent for a lot of other athletes and agents and agencies themselves. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting circumstance. Cause like, I mean, at the end of the day, there isn't an exact playbook as like an agent for what you're negotiating in that, but it sounds like all kind of 
that was offered to Nerlens was just his word and like we can get you a max contract next deal that this is just take the minimum now and we'll cash in next paycheck but really there was no kind of marketing campaign there was no plan put in place or anything like that as far as and now simply i guess the plan in general is just play well is what it is so i guess yeah. some of that falls on Nerlens but uh at the same time like I don't know. It's, I, we've, I've never really seen anything like this in the way that it's pushing back against the agent. And I definitely think Rich Paul is a guy that deserves it. So I do think this will end up getting settled in some way because I don't think Rich Paul is going to be wanting kind of the negative connotation and stories kind of leaking out. So I do think there will be some sort of settlement with this. But uh, yeah, it, it is kind of an interesting like suing over money that nobody got kind of kind of deal. So we'll see how it all turns out. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes, but... Yeah. Not not too much you can do. I mean, he played well last year. Uh, he could is poised to have another good season uh, this season. So you know, good luck to Nerlens. I hope that this doesn't kind of fall onto the court as well. Uh, he can keep them to these two sides separate. So um, let's talk about the Sixers. Let's go back to the Sixers uh, for this last little part. Um, you've been talking about the rotations a lot, uh, the depth of this team a lot recently. Um, is it a good a bad thing? What do you see just in terms of this rotation? Who's going to be you know, playing how many minutes and where, um, and is it is this a positive thing for the Sixers or not? Yeah, so this is what everybody has been down my neck about on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> I do think so. I originally said that it's a sneaky deep team on our roster, and which I guess I don't. As much as that is a compliment, I don't really look at it as such a, a positive thing in this. And what I mean by that is, it's great to have all this depth and versatility and hypothetical like guys that you're different options and guys you're playing with that is not a better thing than having set guys that are better at their job than any of these guys and that and if we had yeah. like an eight-man rotation of all guys that we know we, they bring every single night that's significantly better than having the 13 guys that we have options and, and might be able to do a good job on a nightly basis and i think as much as rivers deserves every criticism that he get and frankly i'm a guy that thinks he deserves more than he has gotten so far uh, that is the one I will stick up for him a little bit with the bench last year is it's hard as a coach to function with that when you're not sure what each guy has each night. And like maybe Shake Milton has it tonight. Maybe Furkan has it tonight. Maybe Matisse can bring some offense tonight, that kind of thing. And when you have kind of a more structure, like I think it would be a very positive move. You can kind of flip some of these guys for like a, a key, more significant, reliable bench piece. And that I love the depth and I think, none of this will be settled until the ultimate Simmons decision is made. Cause I think that's pretty much the hold up on our entire roster right now, but I definitely think there's still work to be done there. And that is not by any means a championship roster by this, but I do think they got better from last season. Yeah, I think they got better too. And I think that if they're not mishandled as a team, they could be really good. And that's something that, you know, falls down to who's putting these rotations together who's putting these games together in terms of who's on the court and when. Um, I don't know, man. I, I like the depth. I like the the diversity of the depth in terms of talent-wise and age-wise. There's a good amount of... Um, they got a little bit younger, I think. Uh, you took away a couple of the older guys that are off the roster. And like you do have a couple of guys that are ready to... like, You know, Matisse, the... Uh, the the hold is off with Matisse now. Like he's 24, going to be 25. Like it's time to really become put up or shut up at this point. Same thing with Furkan. Um, like a lot of these guys are in the this point of their career where it's like it's time to go. Um, this is a determining year for a lot of them. Um, but then you have a, a mix in of young guys with obviously Maxi, 
Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed, all those guys, you have a little bit of that mix. And we can talk about Bassey in a second. Um, but I don't know. It, like You're looking down the line, and we, we're going to talk a lot about this next week. We're going to prepare for this. But the starting lineup as it's currently constructed is Simmons, Curry, Green, Harris, and Bede, same as last year. And then you move into the second unit, you're going to have Maxi, Matisse, Furkan, Niang, Drummond. That 10, those 10, that is a very, very, very good 10. And then you even have more off the bench there. So are you looking to cut those last, not cut, but you know, take off the dead weight of players 12, 13, 14 and try to upgrade at 7, 8, and 9? Or are you trying to package those late rotation guys in a deal with you know trying to upgrade the first five so i mean but i mean the biggest issue no matter how we cut it with the sixers is we're still lacking the top level talent and there still needs to be a legitimate counterpart to mb so however many of these guys needs to be packaged in a, a simmons deal or something like that whatever the end result of that is i think that's priority number one and like i said i think that's the hold up on everything with it with this roster i think that's why the offseason went as it did and not that it was it was i mean it was certainly quiet but not that there was a lot they could do but um so i think that's priority number one and you don't settle for the what happens after until that's finished uh but i think the other issue here is just versatility i would love for doc to be a coach that just has like like the different lineups for different situations which is pretty much what i think every coach should be able to do but i don't really trust like i i want i really want a lineup to be centered around b-ball paul as the center this year and i want there to be some sort of small ball like you there's a way that you can win games with uh, or win minutes like not that i'm we're counting on to play a whole game but win a stretch with that as your lineup and i think that's such a unique aspect that they haven't really built around and haven't shown and the that's my one frustration with like the Drummond signing is it takes away from that, but there's, that just needs to be like something in in your like rotation, something that you in can your bag like, at some yeah, point, some sort of like throw this to the other team. And I just really want that to be there. I'm believing more and more in B-ball Paul, and I just think like the switchability he b- brings defensively and just the small ball aspect needs to be used as such an asset because they don't have another big that can do that. Like. Even when you think about Embiid, who's who is terrific on the defensive end, but he doesn't have the same switchiness and get out on the perimeter that I think Paul Reed does, and I think he can legitimately guard like perimeter level NBA guys when he's switched out there and not be put on an island. And I, I want that to be used. Yeah, um, I'm totally with you there, man. I'm I'm all with having a diversified ways of attacking another team in a series or just in throughout the regular season. Like, it really doesn't make sense to me why there isn't like why you don't have that. Um, I Doc is just a guy. He's just so stuck in his ways and he, he's been doing the same thing year after year after year. And that's why the, the result of every year is the same for him. You know, he's going to have a good team in the regular season because they're going to build chemistry because all they're doing is playing with those same five guys or with, you know, the same seven guys. But the, the issue with that is that you never change your, your, your ways of winning. So, I don't know, man. I mean, it's the same problem I have with them and what they've what they've failed to do with Ben Simmons is, you know, here's what we're getting from him. This is what it's going to be. And that's it. Instead of putting him, putting this team and him specifically in positions where, you know, you had to fight through uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable stretches. But if Paul Reed needs to take 10 NBA games, um, get those under his belt, 
with real minutes and in times where you know the clock isn't that one minute and 30 seconds up by 20 in the fourth quarter like get him in a position where it's a four-point game in the third quarter and we need something different right now and Mm -hmm. let him feel that out let him play those games like as a team that's focused on a title game 47 doesn't matter so and obviously you're going to do everything that you can do to win games. You're not going to go into any game thinking, oh, whatever, we can just lose this one. I don't think that's – obviously it's not the case for really any NBA team. But for like this team, when there's there's nights where you don't want to play Embiid 35 minutes, you want to play him 26, that's part of resting too. That's part of you know fatigue control and, and injury control and health. Like That's all part of it. So what I don't understand is why you wouldn't want to – give yourself as many different ways as possible to win basketball games. And it just seems like sometimes it's so simple. The ideas are so simple yet so convoluted to a guy like Doc Rivers. And like, obviously he knows more about the game of basketball and specifically the the game of NBA basketball better than any of us do because he's played and he's coached for a long ass time. But sometimes like, Sometimes it's not that difficult to see as a fan and as an analyst. And sometimes the writing is on the wall. Sometimes there's just some things that you need to do. And I definitely agree with, you know, a guy like Paul Reed or if Isaiah Joe isn't getting the minutes. Like, I think Isaiah Joe deserves minutes this year. Genuinely, I do. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, this is one of the issues with the NBA in general, but just regular season and postseason are such completely different games. And just like this is where the biggest thing with Paul Reed comes into me is you need to do whatever possible in the regular season to groom him to where he can be a postseason player. Right. Cause think about how unplayable Dwight Howard was in the playoffs last, last year. And I think Drummond will be exposed on a similar level because there is so much more just like targeting the weak link and just like any team trying to get him out on the perimeter and stuff. If we could just have that switchable and like the quick feet and the agile, like that matters. And that like, will make the difference and will make the margins and just we everything needs to be done to build him to that point. And the, we're at a point where like, for sure, these guys are still very young, but we need to be building toward winning right now. And like, if these guys can make a jump, I think we're going to see a huge jump out of Maxi this year. He's another guy that like the, the holds need to come off a little bit, let him just do his thing. And I, I feel a similar way about Paul Reed. I think Paul Reed really can help this team and he just checks a box that, that just needs to be there. Yeah, I totally agree. And another thing with these young guys, like Paul Reed as a big, Tyrese Maxey as a point guard, Isaiah Joe as a wing, they, like, think about that lineup, add those couple guys, maybe add Matisse in there, and add Ben Simmons. If your plan is to keep Ben Simmons, if your plan is to have him around, and I'm not saying we're not going to go back into that, but he is perfect. Paul Reed is a perfect big to match with Ben. Switchable flying up and down the court high hustle high intensity like those are the guys that like if you're looking at you know grooming this team going forward having a, a another big that really can not only just play with ben but compliment ben and looking at the way that this team works like when Embiid is on the floor it's Embiid's team and without question and without a doubt that's the way it should be right mm-hmm. but thinking about it in another way you should you should try to optimize everyone else that you have and instead of doing this bullshit of where you're like four bench guys and tobias go have fun find a way to put these teams together and put these little units together that can play well with each other and make it uncomfortable for other teams change the pace of the game that's where you win Mm -hmm. but like i said you just get comfortable with with doing the same thing over and over and having you know dribble handoffs with Dwight Howard to Shake Milton and then trying to get the ball to Tobias Harris in the post. It doesn't work. 
Yeah, I mean, and and just take away Ben Simmons for a second. Just Paul Reed's so much more of a modern NBA player and so much more of a, a fitting that, like, we can't be living in, like, finding just a worse version of Joel Embiid, which Drummond kind of checks that box, too. Is he just tries to do the similar things but just can't do them as good because there aren't a lot of people as good as Joel Embiid. Yeah, there simply yeah. is not another another player in the NBA that can do what he can do. And, uh, like, we, we, we will never find success if we keep trying to just do the same things that we would do if he was on the court with somebody else there and that kind of thing. And just like there has been such a, a revolution with the NBA with like you have to be able to be so much more complex as a player. Like I think about Dwight Howard. I really don't think Dwight has gotten that much worse since his prime. I just think that the game has changed so rapidly and that like no doubt he's for sure slow down steps and that and like, like he's not the same yeah. Dwight Howard he was. But the gap isn't that massive to me. I think it's so much more has to do with just the way the game has changed that he can't succeed in that. And credit to him for finding a way to reinvent himself and do that. But I think Drummond's like a similar boat. Like a couple of years ago, Drummond was a right up there with the top bigs. He was an all-star. Yeah, he was an all-star. He was going neck and neck with Embiid. They were having their, yeah. their beefs and just like like that isn't the way to win anymore. And Embiid is the exception to the rule and the fact that he is that good and has kept up. And he can do the thing. Like him – becoming an elite mid-range shooter just changed his game last year and that yeah. opened up everything for him and he can shoot the three he can iso score he can move better but there just aren't like andre drummond's not that and we can't like act like he is and there needs to be different looks and just building toward this modernization and i think the paul reed's a big part of that yeah i mean look at a guy like i i think he's very similar to a guy like chris boucher a guy, mm -hmm. uh, the big in Toronto. And, like, obviously they weren't very good last year. But he took major strides last year. They let him play freely. They let him hustle all over the place, switch on defense, be aggressive on both sides of the ball. And, like, I, I don't know. It just seems like it makes no sense to me why you don't allow. Like, it seems like a lot of times, genuinely, like there's some players that Doc really unlocks. Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, clearly. Guys that can go get their own buckets and do those things. But then there's it seems like there's a few guys on this team that just have become – like handcuffed by Doc Rivers, yeah. and and I I look at the way that obviously in a completely a, a, an entirely different role, but Matisse Thybul, why was he able to be so so effective in the Olympics? He was a completely different player. Like go back and watch some of those games. He's handling the and like again a completely different role. He's handling the ball. He's being more aggressive. But like screen, you know, screen and roll. Like just make him do something different. Don't don't have him out there just to be a defender and then stand in the corner and wait to be open. Have him cut. Move him off the ball. Have him as a screen and roller. Look at what the the, the Nets did with Brown. Like there's it, like it just doesn't make any sense to me why you allow your players to continuously be one dimensional. You keep Ben as a one dimensional player. You keep to or uh, Matisse Seibel, one dimensional player, but then you have guys like Tobias Harris who just like finds is somehow like a significant like the best version of himself under Doc, and he allowed Joel Embiid to do whatever he wanted, which is obviously a very good decision. But um, I'm hoping to see like Paul Reed. Obviously, with Tyrese Maxey, and we're gonna like this. We can we can preview next week because there's gonna be a little bit of a discussion here about this starting lineup and and where Tyrese Maxey could potentially fit in there. So before we we totally go, um, Charles Bassey did is on his way to signing a one year what was it one year minimum deal? Non guaranteed. Non guaranteed. So all mm -hmm. this time they've been waiting to sign this deal and negotiating, doing whatever they've done, and that's what they got to was a one year non guaranteed deal. Yeah, it's very interesting to me. Just first off. 
props to Charles Bassey for just the confidence that he has in himself because uh, second-round pick, no guaranteed contract there, sits out summer league, then now is doing getting a one-year non-guaranteed deal on a role that there really aren't any guaranteed minutes for. Like, he could conceivably come in and, like, he's buried behind Drummond, behind B-Ball Paul, behind Embiid, obviously, that it's like to bank on yourself to be able to show something in minutes that we don't even know are there, I, I respect the confidence. But yeah. that, uh, aside from that, I do like his game a lot. I love the shot blocking he brings. He's improved as a shooter. Uh, he's stepping toward becoming the uh, modernized big, but he's still kind of a he, – he's more more drumming than he is B-Ball Paul for sure. And that, But I like what he brings defensively. I think he's legitimate. He can rebound the ball really well. And I do think like I like him significantly more than uh, uh, Phillip Petrovic. So well, I'll take it. I'm happy he's here. I think it's a good last roster spot, but – I don't don't expect a ton from him in year one. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of I I don't really have like it's hard to tell right now, um, especially without him being in summer league at all. Um, but I am excited to see them just kind of get back into a swing of things. Um, and honestly, like training camp will be telling. I I feel like in a lot of ways. Um, but I also think it'll it'll still be ambiguous with these these hot fifteen guys. And again, I don't expect too much from Bassey, but. This was just an interesting kind of wrinkle and everything that's it kind of got swept under the rug with the uh, Simmons news today, if you want to call it news. Um, that being said, though, we are going to wrap this up. Um, follow us on all of our socials. You can see them down here at Pixwap Pod on Twitter. Follow us on uh, subscribe on YouTube at the Pixwap Podcast, and then you know on Spotify and anywhere you find your podcast. Really, Pixwap Podcast is everywhere. Um, you can follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard one and me at JS Bahrain 17. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, keep hitting up the YouTube. We hit a hundred views. Um, we're doing our best. We're having a lot of fun. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys soon.